Well, if you brought your Bibles tonight, and I hope that you have, turn with me to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4. I want to begin there tonight in Philippians chapter 4. Uh, I want to start in verse 4 and read through verse 9. Uh, then we'll go to the Lord together in a word of prayer. I'll give you just a moment longer to find it. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, beginning at verse 4, says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the Lord of peace shall be with you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just humbly come before you one more time tonight. We thank you, Lord, for the good day and for the many blessings. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity you've given us to gather here this evening to worship you in spirit and truth. We thank you, Lord, for your sweet holy presence that we've already felt here tonight. We thank you, Lord, for all the songs that's went up and all the prayers that have went up. We thank you, Lord, for the nation we live in, the freedom that we have to gather here. We thank you, Lord. Uh, uh, it's a gift from you. We thank you, Lord, tonight uh, for all of these blessings, but we thank you most of all for your son Jesus, Lord God, that you sit him and give him so that we might have life have that life eternally and abundantly. Lord, we don't deserve it. We're not worthy of it. God, you knew that, but you did it anyways. And so, God, let us always be a people with praise and glory on our lips for you because you alone are worthy of it. And, Lord, let me just pray as we go forward tonight in this service. Lord, I'm asking that you would just continue to have your way and your will here in our midst. God, you know our hearts. You know our minds. You know the very... Uh, intent of our thoughts there is nothing that you don't see nothing that is hidden from you so god i'm asking have your way and your will in our lives in our hearts in this service here tonight and we'll be sure and give you every bit of the glory for it god if there's any tonight that are undone any that don't have things right with you lord let tonight be the night before it's everlasting too late that they get things right with you that they make their peace with you. Lord, if there's any of us that are struggling here tonight with anything, God, if there is any of us here tonight who just need a closer walk with you, oh Lord, let tonight be the night. I'm just asking, have your way and your will here. And Lord, I need your help. Uh, I don't even know what to say lest you give it to me. So God, have your way and your will here. Lord, I'll just surrender it all to you. Use me tonight to deliver your message, your word, the way that you want it done. 
uh, clear my mind of everything but your message, your thoughts, your words, place the very words you'd have me to speak on, on my tongue. And Lord, just help it to just flow, to roll right on off. Lord, my desire is to do your will and preach your word. Anoint me. Fill me full of your spirit. We give you all the glory. We love you. We worship you. We praise your holy name. And we ask it all in the precious and the holy name of Jesus. Amen. I want to preach to you tonight. I say, I always say I want to, and that's not right. That's not fair to say it that way. What I believe the Lord would have me to preach to you tonight is on this. On the subject of how to keep your mind. That's what I, that's what I believe God would have me to preach tonight. How to keep your mind. Now, I know the first thing that would probably come into your mind when I said how to keep your mind. First thing you thought was losing your mind. Right? Keep your mind, losing your mind. The opposite's there. That's actually not the kind of keep that I mean. I, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and let you in. We'll get there here in a minute because I'm going to go through this verse by verse. But at verse 7, when it says, And the peace of God shall passeth all understanding and shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Keep. That word keep right there. That's what I want to bring your attention to. I want you to understand that that word keep can have some different meanings. And in this sense, it literally means to garrison, to build a fort around, to post a guard. To guard, it really, in a sense, is, is, is what it's saying there. Have you ever heard the term keeper of the sheep before? Right? That's someone who guards the sheep. Have you ever heard gatekeeper before? Right? Somebody who guards the gate or something that guards the gate. That is the sense of keep that the scripture uses here tonight in verse 7. And that's the reason that I'm using the word keep because in that sense, because that's how the scripture uses it. Keep. How to keep your mind in the sense of how to guard your mind. Um, why? Maybe that's the first question. Maybe... May, if you don't ask it, maybe that should be the first question you ask any time when you hear a preacher get up and get ready to preach is, why? Why are you preaching this, preacher? And then maybe the next question is, is so what? You know? And so those are two questions that needs, to be, that needs to be answered in every sermon. Now listen to me. Let me just give a little background here. The mind is the ultimate battlefield in our own personal lives. The Lord, the flesh, right? When I say the flesh, I'm talking about our, our natures, our sin natures, right? The natural man, the Bible uses the word flesh, the flesh for that, or the phrase the flesh, multiple times. So that's how I'm going to use it. So the devil, the flesh, and the Lord are all battling for our minds and our hearts. So it is the ultimate battlefield in our personal lives. All three of these are battling for the control of our minds. If we're to have any chance of living a, um, 
living the life that God intends for us to live. Have you ever thought about that before? Right? There's the life that the flesh wants to live. There's the life that um, Satan would like to see you live. Those two kind of usually run pretty close together. And then, and, and sometimes we have our own desires, right? Maybe there's a life we want to live. But then there's the life that the Lord intends for us to live. Let me tell you something. Out of all three of those options, or however many options you want to lay out there, I promise you every single time, the best one is the one that the Lord intends for you to live. That right there is the best possible life that we could ever live. So if, if we are going to have any chance at all at living the life that God intends for us to live, the one that Jesus died on Calvary's cross for, we need to understand that this battle that is raging in the mind is a spiritual battle. And ultimately, it is a battle between good and evil, right? It is for the control of our lives. So, so this evening, I want to let you know that you do not have to lose that battle for your mind, right? You do not have to live a defeated life in your walk uh, with the Lord, right? You do not have to be a slave uh, to sin. You don't have to be a slave to worry. You don't have to be a slave to fear, right? You do not have to live a life that is controlled by lust and uh, desires of the flesh. You can live your life under the control of the Holy Spirit of God and you can win the battle. In the Lord, you can win. So, with that in mind, keeping in mind how to keep your mind in the sense of how to guard your mind, in the literal sense of the word and how it was originally used of building a fort. I, I mean, now think about this for just a minute. This ain't, this ain't the kind of warfare that we're used to hearing talked about uh, in, in our military being involved in that's if far away in some foreign land sending drones over there and, and, and missiles from a long ways away and airplanes from real high in the sky dropping bombs. No, no, no. This one's personal. This ends up close and personal. This is as close as it can get. We're talking serious fight here. We're talking the greatest war that the world has ever known. It is a spiritual battle that is taking place right here in the midst of us as I speak. And it is a battle for the soul of man. Most, the highest stakes there could be. It is a battle of good versus evil. I am so sick. I'm going to get on a 
my soapbox for just a minute. I am so sick of hearing all this that they talk about in the news here lately, and well, probably not just here lately, but you know that there is varying degrees of shade, and it's a, you know they just try to blur the lines, and and there is no good guys and bad guys and good and evil, and it's all perspective, and depends on who you are and what side you are and how you look at it. Well, listen to me. I'm telling you right now, and what I'm talking about tonight, that's a bunch of baloney and hooey, and it is the lines are, are well drawn, they're cut and dry, it is black and white, it is good and evil. Satan, he'd like you to believe that he's not such a bad guy, wouldn't he? Well, listen to me, that's a lie. It is a battle, and it's a battle for your soul, my soul. Not just our souls, it's a battle for the souls of your children and your grandchildren. Nieces and nephews, those that you love, the neighbor down the street, those you care about. Those you don't even know. When I like history, and I've always liked American history, and I'm just going to go that route with my example here. When they come in and begin to settle the land, there was uprisings and, and, and wars that took place and between the Native Americans here in, in the United States, but it, not just here, it's this way anywhere and everywhere in the world. But anyways, what would they do? On the outskirts, is that the right word? In the outlying areas, a lot of times where there were outposts and places like that, they would build forts. It's the exact same word that's being used there. If we were reading in the Greek language, New Testament was originally written in Greek. If we were written in the, if we were reading in the Greek language, what was being said there? And we were reading a book written in the Greek language about building forts out on the frontier. That's the word I was looking for a while ago, frontier. Out on the frontier, it's the exact same word that's translated keep there. That's what, that's what it means. So if you're going to build a fort, what do you got to do? You've got to build some walls around that thing, don't you? Think about as we study the Bible and we study all these different, we go through the Old Testament and we study all these different cities and things like that. A lot of them was what they called fortified cities. Why were they fortified? Well, yeah, for protection, but they were fortified because they had walls built around them. Remember the story of Jericho and how all that went? And how God miraculously, right? I mean, the, the nation of Israel was obedient and done what he said. And, and God miraculously brought down the walls of Jericho. It was a fortified city. They couldn't have ever got at it. They couldn't have ever conquered it. They couldn't have ever had done any good fighting against them if them walls had not been torn down. I think of stories that I've read about uh, in Bible times. I believe it was uh, Nehemiah. It was, a, it was a capital city, very fortified. And they said that the walls were so wide that at the top of it, they could race chariots side by side all the way around it. Building them walls was important. Now, I know we hear a lot of language today, 
uh, in our society, in our culture, about tearing walls down. And if we're talking about loved ones, and if we're talking about in a marriage, if we're talking about in a relationship, if we're talking about with your children, if we're talking about trying to bring together two groups of people or two people or something like that, yes, absolutely, if there's any walls between them, those walls have got to be tore down. But I ain't talking about that. I'm talking about something completely different. I'm talking about a spiritual war and a battle that is taking place, and I'm talking about defending against the enemy. And we need to build some walls. If you're going to keep your mind, if you are going to guard your mind and your heart, if you've got any chance of living the life that the Lord, that, that God intended for you to live and that Jesus died so that you could live, we're going to have to build some walls. So I've got four of them for you tonight from our text. Four walls, all right? Um, I like it nice and simple. Four walls make a box. That's about all I can build. So let's build four walls tonight. Let's look at our first verse. Let me get back up here so I can see it. I think verse 4 is where we started at. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. We need to build a wall of praise. Listen to me. This is a spiritual battle that takes place in the spiritual realm for the mind and the heart of the believer. We have got to build a wall of praise. Paul commands the believer to rejoice, right? That word means to be glad, right? This means that the Christian is commanded to... uh, He's commanded to go on being glad in the Lord, right? If you will keep yourselves busy praising God and rejoicing in the Lord, I'm telling you something, I don't know that you'll have a whole lot of time to be, pre- to be depressed or to be worried. Do you hear what I'm saying? If we keep ourselves busy, focused on the Lord and praising Him and constantly giving God glory for everything that He's done, right? If you're going to praise God, what is it you're going to praise Him for? You're going to praise Him for the things that He's done. I'm going to tell you something. If you don't believe me, try it. It's pretty hard to get down in gloom when all you're doing is praising God for the things He's done for you. When Paul penned these words, right? The scripture is written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God and it is infallible, it is without error. There is not a single mistake or contradiction in it whatsoever. But he used human hands to pen it, to write it down. And the Apostle Paul is who he used for the uh, book of Philippians. And when Paul wrote these words, that we are reading here tonight. He was in prison. He was in prison for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yet Paul still knew and still recognized that in spite or regardless of the circumstances that he happened to find himself in in that moment of life, that God never changes. That's why we're told to rejoice in the Lord. You see, people will change. Circumstances will change. There might be a time where circumstances ain't very good. 
And there's other times where circumstances of life is pretty good. Listen to me. Those things change. People change. Circumstances of, of life changes. But God never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He changes none. He is the same without variable. That's why we're told to rejoice in the Lord. You see, like I said, people will change, circumstances will change. Life constantly changes. But the Lord never changes. Understand. Right? Here's what I'm trying to get at. Here's why it's so important to focus on the things that you've got to praise the Lord for. And to build that wall. Yes, I'm talking figuratively and I'm talking spiritually here. But to build that wall of praise. Because you've got to understand that if your happiness depends on good things happening around you in that moment in your life, then you are headed for a life of disappointment and discouragement. You cannot look for circumstances in your life. You cannot look for, for joy in the circumstances of your life. You have got to look for your joy in the Lord, not in your current situation that you're in. So, if we're going to keep our minds, if we're going to guard our minds, if we're going to have any chance of living the life that God intended for us to live, we're going to have to build the wall of praise. Verse 5. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Build a wall of patience. The word moderation there in verse uh, in, in verse 5 yeah verse 5 the word moderation in verse 5 means gentle mild patient it carries the idea of being patient with others it teaches us to put others before ourselves this is the very idea that we see two chapters earlier in, in Philippians chapter 2 verse 4 where it says, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Paul is saying here that the reality of our faith should be demonstrated in how we deal with other people. Do you see what I'm saying? What you claim to have happened on the inside, the reality, the outworking of our faith, the manifestation of the love of Christ within us, right? That ought to show or be demonstrated in how we deal with and how we treat other people. If the focus of our lives is on ourselves, then when people hurt us, when people slight us, when people cross us, there will be a desire to retaliate against them and to get even. Paul wants us to get the focus off of ourselves and to get it on to others. When we're thinking about others instead of ourselves, we're going to be less likely to be hurt by what other people do or say. When we adopt the mentality and this is so prominent 
maybe preeminence the right word in today's culture and society in America. It's what's taught. It's creeped into the church. It's not biblical, but, it's, but it definitely has creeped into the church. But it's one of self-love. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not saying that we should do the opposite of that, uh, right? I'm not saying that we should self-loathe. I'm not saying anything like that whatsoever. But the idea, uh, the mentality of self-love in the sense of, of a, the way that it's being taught, that you put yourself first above everything else, and, and of, which is, breeds selfishness, right? When we do that, we will always look at the things that other people do and the things that other people say, right? We will always look at that as a personal attack on us. It will cause us to wear our feelings on our shirt sleeves. And it will cause us to be more easily hurt by the words and the actions of others. Listen to me. This right here will cause problems in your minds. Right? Because what we'll do is we will dwell on what was done or what was said about others. And that will cause you problems in your mind. Guarantee it. So I'm telling you tonight, build the wall of patience. Loving one another. Forgiving one another. That's the biblical idea of patience, right? It's forgiving one another. Loving one another. Looking after one another. Always putting... um, other, always putting the other person before ourselves. Put the other person first. What I'm telling you tonight is stop putting yourself first. That will bring you nothing but trouble and grief and heartache. I, I know this is usually taught to the kids, but it is so good that I use it sometimes in my sermons. Have you ever seen the acronym JOY before? Right, The acronym is where you take a word... You spell it vertically, and then you've got a word that goes off the first level letter of each one. Well, the acronym for joy, Jesus, others, yourself. That's the order it's got to be. Jesus has got to be first. He's got to be on top. Right? You've got to, what's the first and great commandment? Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And then what's the second one? Love yourself more than anyone else? No, don't even mention anything close to that. It says love your neighbor as yourself. Others. Jesus, others, yourself. Build the wall of patience. Now, look here at verse 6. I'll read 6 and 7. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Probably should have just read verse 6 to start out with. That's all right. Here's the third one. Build a wall of prayer. Be careful for nothing. That word careful has the idea of um, anxiety. Right? It, it refers to the state of mind that is, that's, that's agitated over the events or the circumstances of life. Now, listen to me. There's not a thing in the world wrong with having a concern. Okay? There's not anything wrong with that. Right? Uh, we all 
have our own concerns about certain things. The problem is, instead of you having concerns, the problem comes is when our concerns, or when your concerns, have you. That's when the problem begins. Listen to me. Worry is so dangerous because it allows the mind to think up all kinds of bad ideas, all kinds of false ideas about God. I'll promise you, it is born out of... uh, It's born out of circumstances. It is... Here's what I was going to say. I mentioned this morning about the atheists. There are so few true atheists in the world. I I can't even say for sure that I've ever even met one that is a true atheist. You you know one of the first signs, you you ain't got nowhere to be in a hurry, right? You don't mind if I preach for a minute. You know one of the first signs uh, when you're dealing with somebody who claims to not believe in God and claims to be an atheist is the, the first sign that something might be wrong with that picture is they're taking the time to tell you how much they don't believe in God and how dumb anybody else is for believing in God. If they really didn't believe that God exists or anything like that, they wouldn't care less what you or I think or believe. Because, you know, from that philosophy, it doesn't matter. You see, when you begin to talk and you begin to dig in, and you start to ask questions, and you start, and listen, really the biggest key is, is really just listen. Really, honestly, I think sometimes we screw up by talking too much. Really, probably, you learn the most if you just shut up and listen, because they'll talk. They've already been outspoken. They've already started telling you what they think. They're going to keep telling you what they think, and they're going to reveal a whole lot if you will just let them talk. And here's what you'll begin to find out. Almost every time, something bad has happened. Maybe something bad happened to them, or something bad has happened at some point earlier in their life. Maybe they've lost a loved one that was dear to them unexpectedly, tragically, all kinds of sorts. It's something you're going to find. Maybe there was abuse somewhere. You're going to find something like that, and you're going to find the real heart of it and the real root of it is not that they don't believe that God exists. Because, see, what they'll start doing is they'll start using examples like, well, if, you know, why would God let this happen? Why would God let little babies be killed? Why would God let little children get raped? Why would God? And if you just keep on, all of a sudden it'll come out. Why would God let whatever their tragedy was happen to me? They're angry with God. They're angry with God. And the best way that they know or they feel like they can hurt God is by denying his existence. Worry, hurt, these kinds of things. That's what breeds phrases like, if God really existed, or God doesn't exist, or, you know, things like that. Listen to me. Both of those statements, they're not true. They're, not fa- they're false. God's alive, and God does care. 
There is, there, is an, there is an answer for all of those questions. We might not like the answer. We might not want to accept the answer. But there absolutely is. Listen to me. When the problems of life come our way, we need to exercise that tool that God has given us, the tool of prayer. And we need to be building a wall of prayer. Listen to the verse again. Be careful for nothing, but in everything. Do you hear what he's saying? In everything? There's no exception to everything. There is nothing that doesn't fall under the category of everything. Everything is all-encompassing. It covers it all. And everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Paul is speaking of prayer, supplication, and requests here. Some, some would think of this in, in terms of general praying and, and specific praying. But the main idea of this verse is that instead of worrying, the believer is to demonstrate their faith Right? Their faith in the power of God and their faith and trust in the will of God by seeking the Lord in prayer. If you want to... I can't boil it down any more than this. If you want to worry less, don't raise your hand, just ask and you can do it in your mind. Any worriers here tonight? Any at all? I'm going to give you the secret. If you want to worry less, pray more. If you want to worry less, pray more. I think verse 6 also teaches us to develop a faithful heart. Right? Because it says all of this, right? Prayer, supplications, uh, uh, requests, right? It tells us to do this in thanksgiving. It's wanting us to develop a faithful heart. Right, Regardless of the situation that you find yourself in. Paul's in prison here. Regardless of the circumstances of your life. Because your joy is not dependent on the circumstances that you find yourself in in life. Your joy is dependent on whether or not you're in Christ. Jesus is the source of your joy. True joy. Not the circumstances of your life. So regardless of the situation that you might be facing in life, we've got to learn to praise God through all of those things, through them all. And listen to me, nothing, nothing will bring him near, will bring the Lord near, and at the same time drive the devil away any faster than a genuinely thankful heart. Promise you. The Lord's promise to us is that He will replace our worries with His peace when we come before Him in a trusting, humble prayer. I told you a while ago that word keep there in verse 7, right? Uh, where it says, let me find, it says, And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep 
your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I told you a while ago that that word keep there, it means to garrison, to build a fort, to post a guard, right? What is the Lord promising there? The Lord is promising to post a guard around our heart and our, and, and, and he's promising to post a guard around the heart and the mind of the person who trusts him with everything with the needs of their life, with the circumstances of their life, with whatever it is that they might be going through. So instead of worrying yourself sick, right? Worrying yourself sick about things that you can't change, not in your own power, learn to lean on the Lord in prayer and build that wall of prayer. So we got three walls so far. We got a wall of praise. We have got... Uh, this wall of prayer that I've just been talking about, and we've got a wall of patience. Let's do one more wall. Verse 8. I love this verse. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue. And if there be any praise, think on those things, or on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the Lord of peace be with you. I love how it goes through that whole list. And, it, and it, it, you know, it's talking about things that are, you know, honest, just, pure, lovely, good report, if there's any virtue, uh, you know, if there's any praise, think on these things. Because it uses the word pure in that verse, I decided to call this a wall of purity. Build the wall of purity. That's the fourth wall. What we've got here is a call to fix our minds upon the things of God. When I say fix, I mean to, to fix, to fasten, to focus on the things of God. And the source for finding those things is right here in the Word of God. In other words, if we will fill our minds with the Lord and with His Word, there won't be no room in it for evil. There won't be no room in it for the devil. There won't be no room in it for worry. There won't be no room in it for fear. There's not going to be no room in it for vengeance. No room for confusion. No room for trouble. A mind filled with and led by the word of God and by his sweet Holy Spirit is a stable mind. And we are to take the initiative. We are to train our mind, focus our mind, force our minds to dwell upon God in His Word. Focus on what He says in His Word. Do this instead of allowing our minds to run, right? To, to run with the things of the world, to run to evil, to run to gossip, to run, uh, you know, to other people and what they're doing. Uh, to let, do this instead of letting your mind run to, to even our own problems. A mind saturated with 
and fixed upon the word of God is a stable mind and that's what the Lord asks from us. And this, this is something that you must do for yourself. Unfortunately, every day, many of us let our minds be fed with the filth of the world. And we let our minds dwell on the problems of the world and the problems of, of, of people and of life. I've often thought, look, I'm not just sitting up here wagging my finger at everybody. Uh, at different times, different things going on, I spend, I've spent way too much time looking at the news and things like that. I, I, there ain't nothing good on there. They don't ever talk about anything good. If there be anything good, if there's any virtue, you ain't going to find it on TV. You ain't going to find it in the news. Not, not with the stuff they're wanting to talk about and the way they want to present it and all of that. And if you're not careful, you'll let your mind run after that stuff. Focus on that stuff. The commercials will come along and fill your mind full of filth. They're dirty enough without going on to the shows and things like that. I've often thought if we would give as much energy to focusing on, to dwelling on the Word of God every day as we did that junk, it would transform our lives. It would transform our lives. It would transform... Because our lives are transformed, it would transform our worship service. It would transform the ministry of this church. It would transform the things that, uh, that we see happening here in our community. Transform our time in the Lord's house. What am I telling you tonight? Fill your mind, not with filth and not with junk, but fill your mind with the word of God and the things of God. Listen. Your mind is a precious gift from God. And it can be used for good or for evil. And listen to me. All the forces of good and of evil are battling for your mind all of the time. And who wins the battle is always determined by you. No one can control your mind that's a bunch of baloney. No one can control it but you. You're responsible for what you focus on and what you dwell on. We're told in the Bible that we need to fortify the mind. It's our job, each one of us individually, and it cannot be passed off to anyone else. So listen to me tonight as I close. This is a very critical matter. Because how you think determines how you will live your life. So I challenge you tonight. Build some walls. Fortify your mind. Stop. Now, let me give you this analogy as Jennifer gets ready to start playing. Charles Spurgeon, famous 
preacher, Baptist minister from uh, London, or he, that's where he pastored at, late 1800s. He famously said, you cannot stop the birds from flying over your head, but you sure can keep them from building a nest in your hair. Kind of funny, but it makes a point that you'll remember. That's the same thing with Satan, his fiery darts, the evil thoughts that he'll shoot at you. You can't stop them from flying over your head, but you sure can keep from dwelling on them. Would you stand to your feet? I want to open the altar and I want to give you a chance to come tonight. Spirit of God dealing with you. You got a need, you got a burden, would you come tonight? Whatever it is, don't you miss this opportunity. Spirit of God drawing you. You come on now. It, whatever it is, the Lord dealing with you about something, you've got a need, you've got a burden, whatever it is, you just come on.